0: Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson.
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 209 of the world's greatest Cincinnati Reds podcast, if you ignore all the others. Joining me again this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you, Jason? Good, but are we friends, Chad? Are we? I question, I question this after a recent event. I okay, well, we're going to get into that, and I, I'm, I'll have to make my apologies, maybe, but I'm not really sorry, but we'll get to that in a moment, but then again, let me talk about you. We're trying to record a podcast, and I get a text, uh, yeah, let me watch Vado hit, and then I'm ready. you got to wait to watch Joey Votto hit before you Listen can uh, record a podcast.
0: We all have our priorities. <laughs> I finally got my kids to sleep. And I came out, and Joey Votto was at the bat. And so I was ready, but I was going to let Joey Votto finish being at the bat before I came in.
1: And the reason why you would want to do that, obviously I'm uh, kidding, because every single Joey Votto at bat, every time he bats, when it's over, that's one less at bat, one fewer at bat that we have to watch for the rest of his life, for the rest it's of his career. And he's getting it's... one at bat closer to the end, and you just need to cherish each one of them. It's true. It is true. Parents. All right. Well, before uh, we get into the uh, reasons why Jason is uh, upset with me, and we're going to get there, we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, you know, first of all, last week I had a lot of people just yelling at me on Twitter. You know what that's like, Jason? I have some idea. <laughs> we're going to get there. <laughs> Chadwick. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, last week I had people yelling at me on Twitter because the podcast was posted one day late. <laughs> And uh, what that says to me is, uh, actually, I, I loved it because it, people are actually listening. That surprises me. But uh, to make up for that, we're going to release this one one day early. We usually record on Thursdays. Tonight was a good night to record. Uh, you got to see your Joey Botto at bat. So here we are. Now, Jason, I wrote something this week and you wrote something this week that uh, sort of, they don't really line up, but they uh, they make sense together. And I want to talk about both of them. And the first of those is a piece that I had for Cincinnati Magazine this week that was uh, headlined, Holding the Ownership Group Accountable for its 2006 Promises. And then, because uh, they made some promises. And then your post is entitled, Reality Check, basically. So um, so I want to go back to 2006 quickly.
0: Yes, take us back.
1: It was a simpler time. The Cincinnati Reds were in the midst of just about a twenty. 1,000 straight losing seasons.
0: What's it like to see the Reds have a losing season?
1: I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, no.
0: Forget nightly or try to.
1: <laughs> yes, I try to forget every night, and that's somehow I end up watching. But uh, November 2005, actually. Yeah. Reports came out that an agreement had been reached for Carl Lindner, majority owner at that time, to sell his controlling interest in the Reds to a group that was headed by Bob Castellini. And uh, do you remember what the purchase price was back in 2005? Or it was actually approved, and he formally took, Castellini formally took the reins in 2006, early 2006. But do you remember what the purchase price was for that controlling interest in the Reds? I
0: don't know, like eighty seven.
1: Well, pretty much. Uh, if you look at the current value, $270 million, which is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I wish I had 270 million dollars. Probably at least quadrupled in that time period. Uh, if I had 270 million dollars right now, I couldn't yeah. buy, I couldn't buy the Reds. No. Forbes uh Forbes magazine recently estimated uh, that the value of the Reds is more than 1 billion dollars. That's with a B for was wish... listening at home. Billion as in Bob. Bob billion. Yeah. So, uh, Billionaire Bob. Yeah. I wish I could do a Dr. Evil, uh, you know, imitation here at $1 billion, but I can't. So, anyway, Castellini takes the reins, January 2006. Introductory press conference. Red Leg Nation had been in existence for about 11 months at that time. Uh, Castellini had an introductory press conference. We uh, actually applied for credentials for the press conference. that got turned down. And uh, it's the last time we've applied for credentials. Uh, You know, we don't want to be a member of any club that doesn't want us, right? But anyway, that's a different story. Castellini at that uh, press conference said, and and you'll remember this, we're buying the Reds to win. Anything else is unacceptable. Well, I remember. Yeah. It sounded good at the time, didn't it? It sounds like a thing. (laughs) It was a thing that was said. Yeah. And Jason, I know you're like always glass half uh, empty. But I'm more optimistic, and when I heard that, have we met? Have we met, Chad? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. We? Oh, maybe you're optimistic. That's what it is. Yes, but when That's I heard, literally
0: my entire brand,
1: <laughs> Hash Brown Brand. Yeah, Hash Brown. Anyway, <laughs> we're already going off the rails here, Jason Lyndon. So, here's the way this this came up. I was uh, just doing a little bit of brief research because I was like. The Reds had lost whatever night I started writing it, and uh, surprise, surprise. And I was like, oh, this has been a really tough slog. And so I said, you know, I remember him saying that uh, that we're going to win. I remember him saying that anything else other than winning is unacceptable at that press conference. That just sort of has always stuck in my mind. And so I went back to look and and just get his exact quote, because then I was going to just look up what the Reds record was. I thought maybe we'll make a tweet out of this. Right. Um, Because I composed the best tweets you have the best tweets, for sure. No, that's just not true. But uh, then I got to looking at it, and I, and I had forgotten that right after they took over, the Reds' ownership team, headed by Castellini, uh, published this open letter to Reds' fans. And, and I I had forgotten all about it.
0: Yeah, I'd forgotten about it until you posted it, or it was posted as part of your piece, and uh, and... And I remembered it as soon as I looked at it. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, that. And, well, you know where it goes from there.
1: Right. It was eye-opening to look at it after after forgetting about it, like we both did. Yeah. And Because
0: – go ahead. Well, it was just – it was very much a promise to basically try to do things the right way and to provide a winning baseball team yeah. to the city of Cincinnati and to those of us who live outside the Cincinnati but are, for some reason, cursed with the following of this baseball team.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and that's what they did. There there were five promises, basically. It's with a sense of both responsibility and respect that we pledged to Reds fans. And then there were five promises that we'll just briefly uh, get into each of them. Uh, but but I do urge you to go to CincinnatiMagazine.com and uh, read the whole piece, because we, we're not going to do it justice talking about it here, because it's so incredibly well-written, Jason Linden. As is everything you do, <laughs> no, no. Everything you do. I can think of one thing that's somewhat well written. It's because I had a good editor, and that is the Big Fifty: The Men and Moments <laughs> that made the Cincinnati Reds. Go purchase it at whatever your uh, local bookseller is. Anyway, and I want to ask you your when you went back and looked at this when you saw that piece because for the first time you've admitted that you actually read something that I wrote. I want to know. I, <laughs> I want to know what you thought when you read each of these five promises that Bob Castellini and the red zone ship made. I want to know what your, your gut reaction was first. We will bring championship baseball to Cincinnati. That's number one pledge.
0: My, my gut reaction is I feel like they gave it one good run. And like, I actually, I don't hold them accountable for the like two to three years or so after you, bu- they bought the team. Cause it takes a while. It does to get things in order. Um, and there was a real good run. Um, around starting in you know what 2010 there was, there was a good little four-year run there and it was fun yeah and it's been bonkers since then <laughs> and uh, I, i'm not real happy with ownership right now i don't know that i feel like they are really trying to i don't know that i feel like they are really trying to bring championship baseball back to cincinnati
1: I think that's a great way to put it, Jason. I think that early on, it was very clear they were extremely committed with bringing championship baseball to Cincinnati. And and let me just say this at the outset, because we're going to be somewhat critical of ownership. I think that this ownership team is light years better than the ownership team that they succeeded. Uh, Carl Lindner and John Allen and that group that was running the Reds back then, more power to them, love them. And, And Lindner especially, great Cincinnatian, lots of charitable endeavors. Never serious about winning. Just never serious about it. Um, and so let's begin with that, that, that Castellini and his, his group are better. But here's what they say. The Reds have a long tradition of success. Only three cities have won more World Series than Cincinnati. We will work hard to be a championship team again. And technically, they delivered on that pledge. They did bring championship baseball to Cincinnati. NL
0: Central Championship. Woo!
1: Oh my gosh, it's exciting. Actually, it was exciting
0: at the time. No, I mean, I, I, will, I will actually be honest. I'll, I will go on the record with this. I, I don't think it's possible to hold ownership accountable for World Series wins. I owe oh you, yeah, yes. I, I think the playoffs are too much of a crapshoot. What I want are teams that consistently win more than they lose. And if that happens, then World Series victories will periodically occur. But as long as the team is winning more than it is losing, I am happy.
1: You got to be in the mix. And, and that's sort of yes. what I, I said in the, in the piece that I wrote, uh, the playoffs are a crap shoot, but the reds were definitely in the mix during those years. Yeah. So, you know, and that's all I can ask. I'm like you, that's all I can ask. Just get us in the mix at some point, you know, wild card teams win all the time. And, you know, uh, the best team in the league wins occasionally as well. I mean, it's, uh, but if you're in the, in the playoffs, you get a chance, but if you're not, you're not in the game, you can't win. Um, so, okay, technically maybe they did deliver on that pledge. And I gave them a grade of C on that pledge because they technically did win. They didn't win World Series like they said, but again, that's not or as a result of commitment uh, of ownership. The record since uh, Castellan took over, 953 wins, 1,039 losses. Um, in the four-plus seasons since the Reds last appeared in the playoffs, <coughs> that's when they were a wild-card team back in 2013, so that's four-plus seasons. The team's record is 292 and 404. 292 wins and 404, a winning not, percentage.
0: Not of, good. Is that is that? You tell me. Is that good or is that not good? I'm confused.
1: It's good. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's not high at all. It's oh. A, it's a winning percentage of 420, but yet it's not high at all. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So... Um, So it's been bad. I mean, it's been really bad, and and they're on their way to their fourth consecutive ninety-plus loss season. I just don't. Even if they played decent the rest of the way, which I think they will, I don't know how they avoid it at this point. So, and what I found was four straight ninety-plus loss seasons. They had only had four ninety-plus loss seasons in the previous three decades as an organization before the last four years. Uh, Is that have they brought championship baseball to Cincinnati?
0: Mm. That sound I just made, that's how I feel.
1: I, I expected mm-hmm. you to say blarg or whatever your Blar- famous term is. Blarg yeah. for certain, sir. <laughs> yes, that's Jason's official term. Now, that will bring Championship Baseball to Cincinnati. It's actually the topic of, in in large uh, part of your piece that we're going to talk about in a moment, Is which is, yep. okay, well, how close are they? And so we'll get to that in a moment. Number two, the second pledge that the ownership made to the Reds, fans back in 2006 we will build one of the most respected organizations in baseball how do you see that one
0: no no they have not period at all that's not even debatable the reds were one of the last teams to adopt sabermetrics. metrics they're still behind analytically i think though they've done a lot of catching up in the last couple of years um but it's I, why would you respect them
1: like this um, you know, I, oh, let me let me make the devil's advocate argument. All right, uh, farm system one of the best in baseball. It is. Um, yeah. Uh, ownership and the, really give Dick Williams a lot of credit for this for uh, spearheading the the strides they've made in their minor league facilities, international scouting, minor league coaching, nutrition, things like that. Um, they got lots of praise for the 2015 All Star Game. Yeah, a, yeah. That's, that's all I've got. That's all I've got.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I could say that everybody I've talked to in the Reds organization really likes the Reds organization, but also what are they going to say? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, so how do you feel about your bosses? They're terrible.
1: And I, I, I do like and actually have a lot of respect and I think that a lot of the guys that are in the baseball operations department are pretty good guys and, and really know what they're doing. Uh, Nick Kroll, that's the new GM. Mm-hmm. I, you know, he's. Seems like a good guy. I've talked to him a little bit, and, uh, you know, I think he's he's an analytics guy. More so than uh, Dick Williams, who's uh, president of Baseball Ops now. But but Dick Williams was absolutely open to analytical ideas, so which is, uh, again, big progress. But you're right. They're behind, you know, just about any uh, outside poll or outside view has the, the Reds ranked yeah. as the worst organization in baseball or close to the bottom. And, and they absolutely – I mean, if they want
0: to play the small market card, then you have to be on the cutting edge.
1: Which which reminds me of Tampa Bay.
0: Yeah, I was, I thought we might end up talking about Tampa Bay.
1: <laughs> well, and I hadn't necessarily intended to, but you mentioned that you have to be on the cutting edge. You've got to do some things a little bit different. The Reds are doing things differently. They're doing it the way it was done uh, you know, 20 years ago. Not really. They're much more analytically inclined than they used to be. But it's teams like that that, if you're going to play that card, like you said, of small market, why aren't we doing things that are, uh, you know, like the Rays are doing, St- starting relief a relief pitcher and, and going with a re- every five days going with a, like, a relief outing basically, and that's yeah. just, I don't know if it'll work or not, but it's outside the box. I love it. Do you love it, Jason?
0: I do, and I was just counting a thing up. Let's play a game. Let's play a a Tampa Bay Rays-Cincinnati Reds game. Shall we? In the last 10 completed baseball seasons, the last 10 completed baseball seasons, Chad, my question for you is this. Who has more seasons of winning at least 80 games?
1: Um. Well, Tampa Bay Rays are a joke, so it must be the Reds, right? That is incorrect.
0: Oh, I hope the, we have some good that,
1: parting gifts for me.
0: The Reds have won at least 80 games three times in the last ten completed baseball seasons. The Tampa Bay Rays have done it eight out of the last ten years.
1: Eight? That is really, when you consider that, and I'm pulling it up here so I can see, that is amazing to me because... Here's the number I was looking for. Since 2008, and this comes from a piece that Steve Mancuso um, wrote for Red League Nation, but since 2008, the Reds have spent $300 million more on Major League p- payroll than Tampa Bay. <laughs> That's yep. stark. Yep. They've, they've spent $300 million more than the Rays have spent, and over that time, wh- how, what did you say? eight times in the past 10 seasons.
0: Yeah, they've 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 won at least 80 games. So they've been basically at least 500 or better eight out of the last 10
1: seasons. And we've talked about it before when you're 500 or better, you know, if you're in that neighborhood, some years you're going to you know, you're going to bump up there and you're going to compete. You're yep. going to be in the you're in the mix. You're in the conversation. Yep. That's all I'm asking for at this point. Wow. Thanks.
0: That's all I'm asking for. Just
1: have us in the conversation. Yes. Just have somebody. Just have
0: somebody be like, "Well, you know, you got to watch out for the Reds. They're close. They're within striking distance." Not. Oh, it's the second week of the season, and the Reds have been mathematically
1: eliminated from the playoffs. We will bring championship baseball to Cincinnati. Yeah. So, well, I, go ahead. Well, I
0: I should say. And it looks – I'm not looking at the game right now, but it looked as though the Reds were on track to lose tonight. But um, after the win last night, they were 14-14 and over their last 28 games.
1: That's 500.
0: I know, which is really – I mean, given how they started, which is to say 15 games under 500 in their first 21 games – that's really quite an improvement. It hasn't actually been particularly bad baseball for the last about four weeks. Um, Yeah. So for the last month, they've been pretty, pretty solid. Um, But boy, that first three weeks.
1: Well, you know, okay. Do I think they're going to play 500 ball the rest of the season? Probably not, but I think they could. I mean, you and I, before the season, go back and listen to the podcast. You and I were like, you know, this is, a, this is a team that could be in that neighborhood. And uh, we're both optimistic, as we are, but uh, I think that, you know, guys are healthy. Di Sclafani comes back next week, probably. Anthony Di Sclafani. Uh, you know, I think they could be 500 the rest of the year. The problem is they just dug themselves such a hole that they're never going to be able to crawl out of it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's entirely the problem. I mean, you know, a couple of things have gone wrong this year that I think we were kind of banking on going right. If there is going to be a 500 team. Um, and their names are Brandon Finnegan and Homer Bailey. Um, to be, yeah. utterly frank, I mean, well, and Anthony
1: DiStefano. Although you weren't counting on him, I know, but still, that's another thing. Yeah. Him getting he injured doesn't
0: count until he pitches. <laughs> um, now Homer, I you know I bought into the like he might be okay, and he's not been. And uh, I thought Finnegan, you know, I. I I would have put Amir in the rotation instead of Finnegan, but I thought Finnegan would be non-disastrous, but he got himself demoted uh, because he pitched so poorly.
1: Yeah, and deservedly. So, and, and I'm the same yeah. as you, I, I like Finnegan, and I still I still cling to the idea that he could be a – he's still young. He could be a big league starter, but uh, yeah, he's, it was a disaster. And uh, Homer, bless his heart, I love the old guy. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: well, know. good wishes to Homer at this point. Lord, he is – paid his dues. Yeah. Then some, but
1: <sighs> yeah. So you're right. So, but some things are, you know, are, are sort of evening out now. Discofani coming back. Lorenz is back in the bullpen. Suarez is back from his early injury. Shelby was injured early. Winker was injured for a little while. So, you know, some guys are getting healthy and they're not an awful team when they're healthy. They're really not. So, uh, but again, there it is what it is at this point. Um, Let's move on uh, so we can get through these uh, quickly, the, the promises that, that the Reds made. Because we're going to talk a lot about this year's team and the team for the next couple years when we talk about uh, your piece. Number three, the third promise they made was the only one that I gave an A+. plus. I think it's just indisputable and we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. We will have a greater community presence. I mean, it, A+. plus.
0: Yeah, they've done that, Absolutely.
1: And the Reds Community Fund, and you know what they've done with youth baseball in the area, youth softball as well. Um, you know, I got a daughter that play, daughter that plays softball, and so I appreciate the fact that they've, uh, you know, uh, or and and girls' baseball, girls playing baseball. They've really, you know, uh, they've just done incredible work in the community. And so, a plus. That is the one promise they made that, without question, they have uh, delivered on. Number four, and this one to me was in a lot of ways, the most interesting of these pledges. We Here's the quote. We will rekindle the Reds Nation spirit. Now, let's just ignore for a moment that they misspelled Red Leg Nation. We will rekindle the Red Leg Nation spirit. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you my quote, because I was on with uh, uh, Lance McAllister and on uh, WLW. Uh, talking about this. And this is the one quote that he wanted to talk about more than any, which was my not so scientific radar says that the mood of the Reds fan base is as low as it's ever been in my lifetime. Now, do you quibble with that? (sighs) I don't know that I can, frankly, it's, it sucks. (laughs) I mean, I am captain
0: optimism as are you. And,
1: (laughs) That would I be think. the worst comic book character ever. Marvel better never bring out the Captain Optimism
0: movie. But we got we got chided for being negative, or at least I got a little bit of chiding on Twitter for being too negative.
1: That always cracks me up. Yeah. And again, we're gonna get to that. It's my fault, I don't know. No, 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 not
0: that particular thing. <laughs> oh, okay. That is nothing that is your fault. And I will discuss it. But no, no, I'm just saying like after the last podcast that I was on posted, they were like, Man Yeah, we were, that's right that was a bad one.
1: (laughs) We were at our low point. It was not good. And I think we said near the end of that one, if you and I, who are really the eternal optimists when it comes to the reds, if you and I were that low, man, that's bad. Uh, That's uh, when you've lost uh, Chad Dotson and Jason Linden, who do you still have? Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm willing to believe certain things. Um, I can't ignore when things are, you know, obvious in the other direction. But um, anyway, so I, I do. I think it's the mood is as low as it's ever been among the Reds fan base. And maybe I'm not remembering correctly, but I think back to 2005 and 2004, before the Castellini uh, ownership group took over, and those were rough years. The the pitching was awful. It was it was a disaster. But also remember, you know, they had got uh, Adam Dunn and Junior, guys that I liked. Yeah, and I still have those guys as well. So I maybe I'm just rem- not remembering it correctly. I can see that might be the p- the point, but I don't remember it being this bad or this low. Heck, I started a stupid blog. Also, in you 2005.
0: Know, I, I wonder sometimes how much the internet has changed our perception of things. Because yes, if I were if I were just watching like just on my own, and I weren't constantly talking to people about it online, I would do what is my tendency to do, which is, oh, well, this season's in the toilet, but hey, I'm going to watch Tyler Molly and Luis Castillo develop, and Joey Votto is still good, and and we've got Eugenio Suarez. Like, I can find things to enjoy,
1: and if they win, that's nice. That's a good point. You know, the fact that we're writing about the Reds all the time and talking on social media about the Reds, that's... But I don't think that uh, argues against my point that the mood is lower because I think that's uh, sort of helped to lower them. It's lowered my mood. Well, it's one of those
0: things that I think, you know, it is definitely an instance where we can probably relate to all of the like various broadcasters and beat reporters and stuff. And as much as they maybe don't necessarily or won't own to having a rooting interest in the Reds, it's a whole lot more fun to talk about and write about a team that's winning than a lot of games than it is to write and talk about a team that's losing a lot of games.
1: Especially now, when you've got to deal with all the, uh, all the Twitter chatter, et cetera. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, if if maybe that's what it was back then, when the Reds were losing all these games, they weren't losing at the rate they're losing now. Let's just say that. But I was like, boy, I like, I really like watching Adam Dunn hit baseballs. I love watching that guy. Oh, and, you know, Junior, he's hurt, but you know, I like watching that guy. A little bit later, I loved Edwin Encarnacion. I was the only guy. I've got proof of it at com, But uh, you could sort of, uh, if you didn't, you know, if they weren't winning, you could enjoy that stuff. And that's what I did because baseball is a diversion for me. Yes. You know, it, it, you you and I have said it a thousand times on this podcast. It's supposed to be fun.
0: It is supposed to be fun. I try, you know, I, um, let's, I'll go ahead and, and dive into Twitter. I blocked some people on Twitter last night. And I didn't block them entirely because they were like rude or or profane or whatever, but they were going a long way toward making my baseball interaction experience not fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're bringing me down, man.
0: I don't want somebody constantly in my mentions yelling at me. Like, no. I tweeted a tweet. I didn't go into your feed and yell at you. You can ignore me, or you can reply to me, but if you yell at me three or four times, I'm out.
1: What's the point? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So that, that I think that's a really good point that you made that I had not really considered, which is that just this day and age makes it easier for the, the mood of the fan base to get low because you've got sort of this shared... Twitter and Facebook's even worse. Oh my goodness! Uh, Although our our Red Leg Nation community on Facebook and go find us on Facebook, um, we got actually a a decent community over there that's not too insane, which is just like the community at RedLegNation.com, which is they're pretty down right now too and pretty critical, but uh, the commenters are generally the best on the internet in terms of uh, you know just at least being respectful. So, uh, it's a
0: non-terrible bunch of humans. Which is, if anyone's been listening for a while, that's about (laughs) as. as i get
1: <laughs> right exactly exactly um so we will re- rekindle the red leg nation spirit the the data point that i put out on that one that looked pretty stark to me when i started looking it up which uh how can you claim to have rekind- rekindled the spirit let's look at the five years since they were last in the playoffs the five seasons which includes this one and you know we're a couple months into the season I listed out the average attendance in 2014. It was uh, over 30,000 average attendance. That blows me away. Over 30,000 average attendance. You know, I mean, it's not a sellout every night like some people would like to like it to be, but that's pretty good in Cincinnati.
0: That's pretty. That's a pretty good crowd. Yeah.
1: It's, I mean, it's top half of MLB. I mean, you know, at, we given the population center, you can't expect a whole lot better than that. If they win a World Series or two, I expect it to be bigger than that. But anyway. It has gone down. The average attendance at Great American Ballpark has gone down every single year since. And do you know what it is in 2018, Jason Linden?
0: I'm going to guess 11.
1: No, it's actually 17,000. Mm. Average, average attendance is 17,000.
0: That, I mean, you you feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's actually not very good.
1: Not a lot of people through the turnstiles, and... Actually, I expect that average attendance to rise as we get into summer and and all that. But still, the Reds have gone from 14th uh, in baseball top half to 26th. Um, And so that seems to me the opposite of rekindling the Red Leg Nation spirit. People are checking out. And I can't blame them right now. And I hate to say that because I love this team. And I, I do think that they're doing some good things How about this, though? We'll build one of the most respected organizations in baseball, and we will rekindle the Red Leg Nation spirit. If this rebuild is really working like they think it is and things get better soon, we're going to feel pretty, uh, pretty good, or at least better about both of those if they start being competitive next year, probably. Don't you think? I think so.
0: and And I think this might be a good place to kind of transition over into my thing, which is how exactly can they do that? Because I'm I'm my tolerance for terrible baseball is over and I want to see a winning season.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. The last pledge that they made to us was we will not rest until you're happy. We are not happy now. And so that give me a reality check. Where are we? T- tell me uh, for those of you that haven't read and if you haven't read Jason's piece at redlegnation.com, I'm really disappointed in you for not reading that come on dear listener go read that disappointed in you too listener (laughs) so very disappointed why don't you uh sort of recap what you're saying there and then we'll we'll dig into it yeah okay
0: so what i did um you know i've been writing this column all year long which i thought would be a sunnier column because i thought the reds were going to (laughs) improve this year you named
1: it championship track
0: i did Well, because
1: I thought – I didn't think
0: they are going to win this year, but I was like, they should be on track to look decent, so we'll call it this.
1: Yeah, let's see see how we're trending that direction.
0: Right, and (laughs) so what I did today um, for today's piece was just basically go position by position in terms of like major contributors. Like I'm not looking at like Roselle Herrera or whatever. Um, This player now versus in two years from now, like is there a chance they will improve? And will they still be above average or could they be above average in in 2020? And basically what I found was, and I, I tried also one of the things, I don't know if I actually even said this in the piece, but one of the things I tried to do was to take the kind of approach that someone who doesn't follow the Reds would take. Like if you were to show me a generic lineup of a generic team with a bunch of players who's some of whose names I probably know, but I, you know, I don't, follow them every day i don't have all of that like minutiae of information that comes from following a team daily what would i guess that this player was going to do
1: okay so so we're attached to these guys and you're trying to give an objective look at them like just
0: generically speaking given what they've done with a normal aging curve like what should we expect them to do and so the conclusion i came to to kind of cut to the chase Um, is that the Reds need the following things over the next couple of years. They need one or two outfielders. They need a shortstop, a second baseman, and they need two starting pitchers.
1: That seems like a lot.
0: It's half your lineup and 40% of your rotation.
1: Well, listen, okay, before we get in in depth here, I can think of one way that they could fix this starting rotation – or at least you say 40%, so one of the five yeah. – or two of the five starters. I can think of a way they can fix one of those five right now. I can, too. Can you? I can. You're thinking that we can fix both of them because you're thinking of a different person than I am.
0: Uh, am I? Because I'm thinking of Amir Garrett. I, are knew, you?
1: I knew that's who you were thinking of.
0: Oh, I know who you're thinking of.
1: Do Jack. you know? I
0: do, but say it for us.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the way we can fix this starting rotation. Install Amir Garrett in the lineup. Send someone to Korea to sign a long-term contract with Lisa Alberto Bonilla. <laughs> right? Am I right?
0: Oh, we get it every time. Every, every single time. time.
1: It's, it's the big... lamest running gag we've ever had. But Lisalberto Bonilla. <laughs> it's just fun. I don't know. Okay, so 40% of the rotation. So they need yep. two starters. Yeah. They need, uh, what else did you say? Let's see, uh, one or two outfielders at least? One or two outfielders. Basically, you can probably get by
0: with, like say, Scott Schebler. Um, mm, yeah. But, you know, you kind of like somebody a little better. Um, a shortstop and a second baseman.
1: One or two outfielders, a shortstop, a second baseman, two starting pitchers. Now, with Shebler, you said, you know, he's never really been – above average yet but he still could um but
0: he's a player who could have a year and you'd be like oh hey look at that and he's not gonna he's probably not gonna kill you you know he's gonna be like probably a 1 to 1.5 wins above replacement player which plenty of winning teams have that guy um who just kind of is good enough like he's the best option on the place in the place that they're the
1: shallowest yeah Um, i could see him becoming adam duvall for the next couple years you know, in, in some ways, because this is about the age that Adam Duvall broke out. Hadn't have yep. a couple years like that. It's Yeah,
0: it's possible. You don't really bank on it, but it, it could happen. But you really
1: would rather have better options. Yeah. So one or two outfielders. Yep. And, and again, if you haven't read it, go read it. It's a really good piece. Um, t- a shortstop, two starting pitchers, and the one I want to talk about, Jason, yes. a second baseman. You say the Reds need a second baseman. They do. Do you realize... That the Reds have the greatest second baseman in the history of baseball right now. You see... Ta- Ryan Scooter Jeanette! You see, Chadwick, <laughs> last night... You dropped Chadwick on me. This is going to get bad.
0: Last night on the Twitter, I I can't even remember the exact wording of the tweet, but I basically said something to the effect of Scooter Jeanette is having a great season. He should t- be taking away at-bats from Adam Duvall, not from Nick Sinzel. Um, who should be playing again here shortly. He's resumed baseball activities and should be active for Louisville shortly.
1: Bears crossed.
0: And um, he should absolutely under no circumstances be re-signed. He should be traded. And then Chad, who was manning the Red Leg Nation Twitter account, retweeted this to the the thousands and thousands of people who follow Red Leg Nation. yeah. And then my mentions exploded into a tire fire topped with cow manure. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, Jason. Thanks, thanks, Chad. (laughs) I'm really sorry. But now I'm going to talk about it on this here podcast that I'm on.
1: Please do. You have uh, an open floor now to uh, discuss without anyone in your mentions. Here is the deal. Scooter is having
0: a fabulous year by I, do I think that he's going to hit like he has this like last few weeks all year long? No, of course not. He had a run like this last year too. It, it, players don't do this indefinitely. It doesn't happen. The greatest hitters ever didn't hit like this forever. So it doesn't you know eventually he'll come back to earth some and I think he'll probably finish with offensive numbers somewhere in the neighborhood of what he had last year, which makes him because his defense is so egregiously terrible. I mean, he is the worst defensive second baseman by a country mile. It, his, but he hits enough that his, it makes him a little bit above average. He's like two and a half to three wins above replacement, you know, maybe three and a half, you know, which is like, it's real good. It's solid. It's, you know, outside shot at an all-star game, but it's not, it's yeah. not great.
1: He's, he's a good player this year. He's not hitting right. the Reds. No, no, no. Even with the all. bad and defense,
0: I'm, yeah. And I'm not suggesting that he is. But he's 28, And as anyone who has read anything about baseball in the last 20 freaking years can tell you, 28 is typically the peak season for a major league player. Physical decline sets in. So your peak years are from about 27 to 29, and then it starts to be kind of downhill. So I like to just look at hard facts sometimes. (laughs) That helps. It does. So just glancing at seasons, I have this up here in front of me right now. Total league-wide wins above replacement for second baseman. okay? This is second baseman ages 27 to 29 versus ages 30 to 32, because everybody's like, oh, let's sign Scooter forever, you're locking up his 30, 31, 32, maybe longer seasons, right? Because they've got him till the end of next year if they really think they need to hang on to him, which is his age 29 season. So, your 27 to 29-year-olds last year put up 25.6 WAR. your 30 to 32 year olds put up 16 in 2016 the 27 to 25 year olds put up 24.5 the 30 to 32 year olds put up 16.0 i'm going to do one more for good measure in 2015 the young kids 25.4 the slightly older kids 10.1 and they're pretty much all like that every once in a while and, and i'm sure it's skewed by you know uh Chase Utley, you know, these random players who occasionally come along and have huge years. Every once in a while, the 30 to 32 column will peak just like a win or two above the 27 to 29 column. But in general, what you're seeing is a decline of 40% plus in terms of production. And Scooter Jeanette can't decline 40% from where he is now and still be an above average player. He can't. And if he does, he's a, he's a bad player if he does. Yeah. Right now, he's good, but he doesn't have 40% margin for
1: error. <laughs> Very few do. Yeah. Okay, there are a couple things to unpack there. First of all, the average fan sees Scooter Jeanette's batting line. And let me just tell you, Scooter Jeanette is having a great season. He really is having a wonderful
0: season, and I'm
1: not claiming otherwise. Exactly. I mean, you know, he's got, a, at, at this moment, a nine, eleven OPS. You know, it's over 140 OPS plus with 100 being average. So, and that's what people see. And he's hitting home runs, and they do a post-game uh, interview with him, and he's hilarious, and he's a fun guy, and his name is Ryan, but everybody calls him Scooter and there's a great chapter 39 in a book called The Big 50 The and Moments that Made the Cincinnati Reds in which uh, we talk about the four home run game there's a lot to like in this guy really truth of the matter is there's there's a lot more to like about him than there is to dislike right now this today yes this very day i agree kill him the ball and that's what people see the bad defense is a little bit more difficult. I mean, I see it, it's sort of the eye test. That's one of those things. I mean,
0: let let's let's be honest. People don't see the bad defense because he's hitting home runs. People are all over Jesse Winker on his defense right now because he's not hitting. When Jesse Winker was hitting, everybody's like, oh we can live with the defense. It's not so bad. But now all of a sudden his defense is is like, no no no, it's too bad. We can't deal with it. It's like how the gold gloves used to go to players who hit really well.
1: All right. Rafael Palmero is the the big
0: example yeah, of that. It blinds people. And it's like, no, if you watch Scooter Jeanette play every night, he is clearly not a second baseman.
1: And the metrics uh, follow that, right? They track
0: that. The metrics follow that. The eye test follows that. He's bad. Yeah. He is just bad. He's a corner outfielder or maybe like a designated hitter or like a first baseman. He's not a second baseman defensively. Yeah.
1: I think as a a designated hitter, he actually provides some value, some real value.
0: for providing value as a second baseman right now because he's hitting so well. But, again, he doesn't have –
1: he can't afford
0: to fall very far.
1: And he's likely going to fall, and people don't want to hear that because that's the second thing I was going to say uh, in terms of unpacking that, is that people don't see the defense and that people have this tendency. I think you said it. Uh, maybe even on Twitter after I sent the, the minions after you, uh, that people sort of believe that the hitter he is today, which is a great hitter. I'm not criticizing Scooter Jeanette's hitting right now. Man, he's been great this year. And I do love the guy. I'm glad he's a Cincinnati Red. But people sort of have this idea that how he's hitting right now is how he's going to hit for the indefinite future,
0: right? Yeah, which is just ridiculous. It just It doesn't happen that way. And it's not, you know, I think probably a lot of baseball fans came of age in the steroid era where players were playing really well into their late 30s, but that just doesn't happen anymore. It's rare.
1: Joey Votto aside, it's rare.
0: Yeah, well, and you know what? Joey Votto is probably a Hall of Fame player. Scooter Jeanette's not.
1: Now you're really going to get your Twitter mentions crazy. Are you seriously contending that Scooter Jeanette is not a Hall of Fame player? Listen,
0: one of the reasons I blocked someone last night is that they tried to suggest that Scooter Jeanette's age 28 stats were dwarfing Joe Morgan. (laughs)
1: Listen, okay. Sparky Anderson, he was a manager of the Reds, and he said one time when someone compared Yankees catcher Thurman Munson to Johnny Bench, come on, Thurman Munson's a nice catcher. Don't embarrass anyone. By comparing them to John Bench, is what he said. Come on, Scooter Jeanette's a good player. Joe Joe Morgan may be the best player in the history of the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, correct answer. Well, second best player.
0: Oh, <laughs> is this Lee Alberto Bonilla, Adam Dunn, or Billy Hamilton? Who's the best one right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Take your pick. Why not you say? do not you give me? Won't you give me a little uh, Lee Alberto Bonilla? do not you give me a little bit of that? Uh, you know, I'm recovering from a little
0: bit of cold, as people <laughs> probably heard me cough a few times, and uh, I don't think I can You're manage not gonna
1: it. you going to do that. Oh, that's going to be my goal to get you to say that. Look, yeah.
0: yeah, <laughs> I will enjoy holding that carrot in front of you and snatching <laughs>
1: it. I appreciate that. Someone really suggested that Scooter Jeanette is uh, comparable to Joe Morgan.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because Because it is that, like, and I'm sorry. Listen, anybody out there, I'm sorry. I might insult you right now, but if you're still judging a player based on batting average, home runs, and RBIs, you don't understand how baseball works. You just don't. No teams make decisions based on that anymore. We have been having this argument for 20 years, and Sabermetrics won. Every team that wins a World Series for the last however many years has a very beefed-up Sabermetrics department. They understand that value comes from other things. They understand that RBI is a team stat. That's just simply not how you should judge players at this point.
1: Period. Joey Votto has a good batting average in a lot of RBIs. Yeah.
0: Joey Votto also has a really great on-base percentage. <laughs> yeah, Joey Votto's good. Yeah. Joey okay. Votto walks more than he strikes out, and nobody does that
1: these oh, days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's an early you know 20th century thing. Okay, Scooter Jeanette. This is such an awful discussion to have, though, yeah. because I think I feel like you feel like I do, and because I, I really do genuinely like having Scooter Jeanette on my team. I, right now, this, today, I love it. I love watching him play. He, you know, I don't like watching him play defense, but he's a good hitter. I, he's a guy that I like having as a red. But here's the way you put it in your piece. And the way you looked at all these positions were, where are they now? Are they likely to improve over the next two years? And over the next two years, are they going to be above average? And you said that Scooter Jeanette is not likely to improve, which is, I think, just empirically probable. Right. And then is he going to be above average in 2020? No, probably not. And that's not really a criticism of Scooter Jeanette, who's doing great right this very second. It's the same thing you would have said, and in fact did say, about Adam Duvall two years ago. Yes. Yeah, well, one of
0: the things I eventually, when I got just entirely fed up, is I tweeted yelling back at all of these people, excuse me, <clears throat> that how many of the people who were certain, just completely certain, that the Reds needed to resign, need to extend Scooter Jeanette, how many of them were also certain the Reds needed to extend Adam Duvall last May? Yeah. And how many of them still think that? Because none of them do now, right?
1: And again, that's not a criticism of Adam Duval. He is what he is. These guys that sort of peak late or start start you know improving late <laughs> and getting to their peak late, those guys don't have long careers. They just don't. It's it's been you shown. Know, Chris Sabo is a Reds. Uh, a I was Reds about legend. to
0: bring up Chris Sabo. Yes, yes,
1: yes. He's in the Reds Hall of Fame. He had a really good time at the Reds, but he was a rookie today, I think, at age 26.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, when I was a kid, Chris Sabo was my favorite player. I have a very special place in my heart for Chris Sabo. Chris Sabo also had three good major league seasons total.
1: And they were really good. And he was a yeah. contributor on a, a special Reds team. Yeah. But then he declined quickly. Yes. And Scooter Jeanette, last year was his first above average season with the bat. Great season, yeah. This season's been a great season so far after two months. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're immune from unless it's a special type of player and there are other extenuating circumstances immune from. Just what we've seen a million times.
0: You know what's interesting too is just that all of the people who are like, "Why don't we ever get to keep the good players?" And I'm just like, they just extended Eugenio Suarez, a guy they should have extended, right? And it, What should determine whether you extend a player, and I'm just recreating my Twitter feed from last night, my rage-filled Twitter feed. What determines whether or not you should extend a player is not is he above average during his peak years. It's it's, is he above average before he hits his peak years. If he's 24, 25, 26 and putting up all-star level numbers, give that man a long-term contract.
1: Yeah, because there's a chance with reasonable health. He's going to be able to extend that. I guess the right. window of being an above-average player widens depending on how early. If if you're an all-star at
0: age 24, there's a pretty solid chance you'll be an all-star at age 34. If your first all-star season is at age 28, there's a pretty good chance it's going to be your only all-star season.
1: Right. Or maybe you'll sneak into one at age 29. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And you could look at it like Bryce Harper. You know, yeah. he's 24 and he's made five all-star teams. That's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know who else is a young player? <laughs> who else is a young player? Jason Man Manny Machado is a young player. Manny Machado. He is. Yeah. So go ahead and say it. That's one of the uh, suggestions. You made some suggestions. You went position by position and, and answered those questions. Are they likely to improve? And are they going to be above average two years from now in the 2020 yes. season? And then you made some uh, suggestions on, you call it, filling the gaps. Yes. And that was the one that just stuck out to me. I love it. I mean, at second base, plugging in Nick Senzel, he's likely to be above average in 2020. Oh, Nick,
0: listen, Nick Senzel is likely to be an all star. Yeah. So, let's be real. And people are freaked out about the vertigo. I know they are, and I get it, and I sure. understand. But it's not really something to be freaked out about. Like, odds are he's going to be fine. It'll be a thing that fades over time. It's not going to be Nick Osaski in all likelihood. Um, you know, we've actually already seen him return better than Nick Asaski ever did. Sure. <clears throat> so it's not something that I'm too worked up about. It might cost him, you know, 20 games here and there over the course of his career, but it's, it's not anything to be worked up about.
1: Right. At um, shortstop, you weren't – uh, you were in non-committal about Jose right. Peraza because who knows? I mean probably he's not going to be
0: anything. Yeah. Wh- what I said about him is he's young enough that there's still a chance, but he's
1: also old enough that – yeah, Chandler. we've not that's seen this it. Point. Yeah, so much of his value is is uh, in in his uh, contact ability, yeah. and you know that's that's uh, tough to make a long term career. So you go ahead and uh, get back into it. Your suggestion, the well, rich you do at shortstop.
0: I threw out the idea that at the end of the season, Manny Machado, who is in his age twenty five season, is gonna be a free agent, He's and good. I mean give give him an ownership stake. <laughs> right. I mean, he he's exactly the kind of player that you sign to a ridiculous deal. And just, just watch and see what happens. You know, I mean, he's had, like, what, one season where he was kind of hurt when he was 21. But otherwise, he's been really durable. Wow. Um, he's played really well. It's just, man, come on. Just. Just give him $300, $400 million, whatever it takes.
1: I'm, I'm going to quote you. I'm going to quote your piece. As a fantastical aside, if ownership really wanted to show it was committed to winning, and what that brings to, to mind to me is the promise, we will bring championship baseball to Cincinnati. You said if ownership really wanted to show it was committed to winning, it could drop $300 million at Manny Machado's feet. And start him short start him at shortstop. Yeah. And if that happened, it would A rekindle the Reds Nation spirit, like they promised, and B, we will not rest until you are happy. It would go a huge way towards delivering on at least two and maybe even three of the just, promises they made to us in two thousand six.
0: Let's just let's just say out loud so that people can imagine it. First base, Joey Votto second base, Nick Senzel shortstop, Manny Machado third base, a Eugenio Suarez.
1: Tell me that's not the best infield in baseball.
0: It's absolutely the best infield in baseball
1: with one move. The Reds could have the best infield in baseball. And that's a big step towards bringing championship baseball to Cincinnati.
0: And, you know, in the outfield, I think, you know, they can coast Winker's fine. He'll be fine. He's, you know, it's,
1: yeah, it, Winker's gonna be
0: fine. If I had a nickel for every second-year player who had struggled a little bit, like you know, I wouldn't be on this podcast.
1: Uh, <laughs> but, he's still technically a rookie, but
0: yeah. yeah, he's still technically a rookie. So whatever. Like, if he's still hitting this badly in like mid-July, then we'll talk. But I'm not worried about Jesse Winker. Oh, uh, um, let, me, let
1: me just quickly. I like how you put it in your piece. He, he's unlikely ever to be really a, a sustained period of all-star level play. Right. But he's going to be an above average player, great on base percentage. He's going to be, you, here's what you said. He's the kind of solid player every winning team has. And I thought that's perfect. He may make an all star team at some point, but even if he doesn't, he's going to be a long term above average player, which you need.
0: Right. And the thing I always think about, you know, it, it, to put in context of, uh, for Reds fans is Cesar Geronimo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He was part of the grade eight, but he wasn't that good. I mean, he was fine. Yeah. But he was, you know, his career is unspectacular. Like, you know, nobody thinks he should be in the Hall of Fame. There's no argument for that. But every team has that guy. Like every team, the big red machine had that guy in their lineup. <laughs> the big red machine. You know, and that's, you know, one of the most famously great offensive teams ever. So every, every team has a Jesse yeah. Winker. Every winning team does. Um, and so then, I'll, you know, I'll, I'm a big fan of pushing Taylor Trammell uh, and seeing what they can get. And then you can sign, you can sign a free agent outfielder.
1: So get a free agent outfielder, um, or
0: somebody. I mean, they've got a lot of mid level prospects. Make
1: a trade. Yeah, exactly. Trade for someone, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a star. Get a competent no. left fielder or right fielder, I guess, because we'll move Jesse Winker to left, uh, where he's going to be a little better defensively. Get a competent right fielder. I think about how the Braves signed Nick Marcakis a couple yeah. of years ago. Just a you know, just a, a guy. That's not going to yeah. kill you. And then maybe the- shebler by twenty twenty. I, I don't know. And I mean,
0: look, the Reds have, as as many people, including myself, pointed out, approximately five thousand second basemen in their system. Just start throwing them out there, people. Hey, you want a second baseman? Trade you a second baseman for an outfielder? Yes,
1: or for a pitcher, or a pitcher. Yeah, and that's actually something I said in my piece, which was it's time to start getting aggressive over the next twelve months. Start trading some of these I- surplus assets.
0: It's time to start making trades and it's time to start signing free agents. You know, one of the things that I I really dislike about Red's history and and it's seeped into the mentality of the fan base is this idea that the Reds can't sign a premier free agent. Oh, they'll never come here, et cetera, et cetera. No, it's the Reds haven't. Yes. Okay. Doesn't mean they can't.
1: There's a big distinction there.
0: Haven't like. They signed a role as Chapman when everybody was in on Chapman.
1: Uh, really? Almost literally?
0: Yeah. They, they can. They just haven't. And let me tell you, there's no way, there is no way they do not have the money to make at least one enormous splash on the free agent market. There just is no way.
1: I'm good at spending other people's money, but let me just tell you something. This offseason or over let's say over the next 12 months let's put it that way if i don't see the reds making some you know attempt at uh, big trades use some of the one of the best farm systems in baseball use some of those assets to get major league talent and signing at least one impact free agent doesn't need to be a star necessarily but an impact free agent that can help this team that improves this team i'm going to seriously cu- question the commitment of ownership to, yeah. you know, I wanted it to happen last off season and you and I talked about that. It should have happened, but if it doesn't happen at, uh, within the next 12 months, I think we can start to say that they've just they're They've quit trying to deliver on those promises they made to us. Is that fair or not fair?
0: I think, I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. And yeah, I mean, spend some money guys. Um, you know, there's a piece I'll go ahead and plug this. Um, that I just edited for the Hardball Times. It's going to go up on Friday that I would recommend people check out. It looks at playoff windows that teams have. And basically, they're about five years long. It's an interesting piece, and everybody should go read it. But one of the key takeaways is that you have to spend money. Every team, you can develop a young core, but you're going to end up with holes, and you have to spend money to fill those holes. So the Reds, I mean, realistically... Realistically, the Reds need a shortstop and an outfielder and a pitcher. If they filled those three holes, like one starting pitcher, one shortstop, one outfielder, and you go from being replacement level or worse at those three positions to being at each of those positions, to being three to five wins above replacement at each of those positions, you're a winning ball club all of a sudden. I mean, right away. Good players make you better. I know that seems counterintuitive to some folks. But in fact, if you sign really good baseball players, what happens is that your team becomes better.
1: And That's not – they can do that. Yeah. They can do it.
0: It absolutely can do it.
1: Within the next 12 months. Now, you know, you've got to have two trade partners to make a trade and all that. But this is but something I, that could I, happen.
0: Believing that people aren't knocking down the Reds' door to, to get to get at the farm system a little bit. Yeah, and I, I also want to say I'm not. I, I'm. I think that the Reds should make real efforts to trade, like Billy Hamilton, Adam Duvall, um, Scooter Jeanette, and I, again, a million people just fired arrows at me on Twitter. But whatever. <laughs> Um, Matt Harvey, obviously, Homer Bailey, if he has any value. But with the exception maybe of Scooter Jeanette, I don't expect any of those guys to bring much of a return. Because other teams have the same information that we have. And they know that Billy Hamilton has probably hit the career or point in his career where he's a utility guy. Yeah. Um, he can he can play center field. He can be a late innings defensive replacement. Boy, he's a heck of a pinch runner. But he's not an everyday player anymore, probably. Um and you know, they know the same thing with Adam Duval. Like he'll hit you a homer every now and again. Great power off the bench, but he's fourth outfielder, maybe a fifth outfielder. Um you know, and that's pretty much that's where they so they're not gonna give up a, a ton of value for those guys, and they shouldn't. And Reds fans shouldn't get angry if Billy Hamilton brings back like a C plus prospect and that's
1: it. Okay. You're talking about Hamilton, but I don't want to skate past the fact that I will like <clears> not <throat> sit here and listen. To you, Jason Linden, defame Matt Harvey, the greatest pitcher in Cincinnati Reds baseball history. How dare you say that, that he should be traded? And and that he won't bring much return.
0: He's great. Actually, you know what? If Matt Harvey pitches really well for about his next six starts, he actually might bring quite a return.
1: He really could because of his track record. Yeah. That could end up being a brilliant move by the Reds. You know, it
0: was it was one of those things where the Reds were like, "We feel like we've seen some things that we can correct," and I was like, "Yeah, okay, all right." You just want to look like you're doing something,
1: <laughs> right? It's too soon to and, see to see whether they ha- actually have, but right. Uh, and er- but, but then all of a
0: sudden, it's like, uh this looks like a Matt Harvey that I can kind of remember knowing about."
1: Yeah, he's not the same guy, but he's in the neighborhood.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's right. uh,
1: okay, so. Make some trades. You have some assets. Yep. It's time to let go of some of those minor league guys if that's what it takes to improve the major league team. That's why they're there. Um, make because
0: a, you don't need 12 second base. Yeah.
1: You don't. I love, I love Shed Long. Yeah. I love that guy. He's a guy that, you know, can you get something for him? Yeah. Maybe, or at least as a piece. I mean, if we're being
0: honest, like, in many ways, Alex Blandino is exactly the kind of player the Reds need right now because he's perfectly fine. Yeah. Like, if, say, you know, if, if anybody at, at second or short or third were to go down for a couple of weeks, like Suarez did when he broke his thumb or finger, um, he can fill in for a couple of weeks, and he's not going to embarrass you. He's not going to be an all-star because he's not an all-star. Right. But he'll be fine. He's that guy on the bench who accidentally gets like 350 plate appearances, and you're like, Mm. and and, you know, slashes like 260, like 340, like 380 or something like that. You're like, oh, that's pretty solid. He didn't kill us. Yeah. Like Chris Heisey was a few years ago.
1: Yes. And, And I look at Blandino, I think, oh, he's cheap and he's not you know Wilson Valdez and uh, Jack Hanahan and Phil Goslin who's a UVA guy I hate to criticize him uh, but um he's a guy that's a legit bench option that won't kill you if you yep. start him occasionally you know and maybe he could be a starter long term not long term but sure. over a longer period if you had to have him as the starter and he wouldn't uh, yeah. kill you so yes yeah, a guy to keep It's cheap
0: I mean, already he's like just, just a tick below average in yeah. terms of major league hitter. And you know what? For a middle infielder, that actually makes you pretty good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think what you and I are expecting to see, and I don't know that we're expecting to see it, but if the Reds are serious about delivering on those promises, they're going to make at least one trade. They're going to get somebody in here that can help. They're going to sign at least one free, or at least make a go at it. They they need to sign a free agent. You yeah, know, they do. Select, it's time. Listen,
0: it is. The Reds have never signed a top line free agent, and it's time.
1: Well, if if they can fill a, a hole on their or, roster, if they don't do I mean, it in the next twelve months, then I'm, I don't. I'm not going to think they're serious about it because now only, is the time. The only hope I have. I'm as I try to talk myself
0: into things here. <laughs> Good luck. Is that the Reds, like everybody else, were aware that what we have coming up is one of the best free agent classes in Major League history. Yes. And they are holding back that money, and they are going to pour forth with it when that happens. And I mean, I want somebody who is legit. I don't want, oh, hey, you know what? We waited out, and we got this totally okay guy at a discount. Right? no, no. 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 No, nope. we're not discount shopping. This is not the outlet stores.
1: Show us you're nope. serious.
0: I want name brand.
1: You want Bryce Harper, is what you're telling me.
0: I want name brand. I want full price. I don't actually want Bryce Harper. I want Manny Machado. I would take Bryce Harper for sure, but I really want
1: Manny Machado.
0: <laughs> we're not going to get either one of them. Hey, you don't know until you, until it happens.
1: Well, I hope so. I think they should. I think it's time to really go all in if they're really serious about it. And I think and there's actually a slight chance that they will go all in given the fact that this year went so terribly because if they had had sort of a, a you know, they ended up winning 77 games or something, so they improved a little bit, they could, you know, make the case that, "Yeah, oh, we're trending in the right direction." If it's gone this bad again, for, maybe maybe we'll do something drastic. Maybe Castellano will say, I've got to step up here. And uh, and they could fix it. It's not that – they're not that far away.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, can you imagine – I mean, really, let's just think about it. Imagine for the fan base, if they signed Machado to a 10-year deal. Oh, my God. What, what would that tell you about how the organization – how committed the organization was?
1: The The uh, – The spirit of Red Leg Nation, as they said in their uh, pledge, would flip immediately. I mean, like on a dime. And frankly, of the whole baseball world, because you do something like that,
0: and they're like, whoa, okay, apparently the Reds are coming to play this year.
1: Yeah, they're committed to bringing championship baseball to Cincinnati. Jason, I love it, man. I'm hoping. Let's do
0: it. Sweet All right, man. let's do it. Let's go do it.
1: All right, well, let's, uh, let's wrap this one up. Uh, this has been a fun one. I do want to say, uh, by the way, since we've been talking about some things that have been written, Jason wrote a really good piece at the Hardball Times. He's been talking about what he edited at the Hardball Times, but really good piece uh, recently called A Sense of Urgency over at the Hardball Times. And you can find that. Just uh, Google Jason Linden, Hardball Times, Sense of Urgency, some combination there. Nice picture of uh, Eugenio Suarez at the top. And it talked about a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about here today. I'd urge you to go read that. Now you can read what what we write at RedLegNation.com every day. You know, if you want to, we've been following the Reds for many, many, many years now, and uh, still doing it, and going to keep doing it, I guess, because we're sort of committed at this point. Jason's at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at DotsonC. If you want to see. Uh, the dumb stuff that uh, at red leg on Twitter retweets and causes problems for the people that tweet the uh, things they retweet. You can follow us there on Twitter at red leg We're also everywhere. Facebook, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, if that's your thing, we're everywhere. Go follow us. Uh, but you know, our analysis is at red leg every single day, all year long. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Say it every week, and some of you actually listen to us every week and actually go out and do what we ask. You subscribe to the podcast, and you leave good ratings and reviews. Things of uh, I really appreciate all the great reviews, and uh, the subscribers are bumping up every week. I love you guys. Really appreciate the, the, the passion of this fan base, even in the bad times as we're in now. You can uh, email me, Dotson at redlegnation.com. If you have you know, things questions for the podcast, anything you want to talk about, Send it on my way. I'll read every bit. of I can't promise I'll respond, but I'll try to respond to as many as I can, and I will read everything that's sent our way. Jason, man, things are going to get better, right?
0: I mean, they, I, they've already been getting a little better. Hopefully they'll get a lot better.
1: <laughs> Let's keep our fingers crossed on that one. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.